Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also catch me live Sunday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time in St. Louis, 97.1 FM Talk, where I had Alex Berenson, award-winning journalist, on to talk about his new book, Pandemia. Here's that audio. I started following a guy a couple of years ago by the name of Alex Berenson. I started following him on Twitter. I did not know who he was prior to that. He had worked for the New York Times for 10 years. So he's not exactly a guy from a conservative website, didn't vote for Trump or Biden during the election last year. But he's been a journalist for a lot of years, and he started looking into the situation with COVID. You know, the fact that the numbers weren't adding up or that they were changing things all the time. And he was a guy with no dog in the hunt, at least initially, certainly doesn't now either. But he started just putting out facts, using what governments were putting out as the facts and comparing this and comparing that. Ultimately, he got hundreds of thousands of people following him on Twitter, at which point he was banned from Twitter. Before he wrote his book that's come out now, he had written little small versions of it, like a chapter here and there, and he'd printed them at Amazon. And initially, Amazon was not going to make those available till Elon Musk stepped in and gave Jeff Bezos a hard time, and then the books were printed. Interesting guy. Now you can find him at Substack, and I was thrilled to talk to him about his brand new book. It's called Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights, and Lives. He has asked questions from day one, and he has paid the price. This new book is fascinating. Alex Berenson, welcome to The Heidi Harris Show. I followed you for a long time, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, Well, thank you for having me. I love the fact that you've stood up and done what a reporter does. That's what you've done throughout your entire life. As a reporter, as, as a writer, you ask questions, and you based all the questions on legitimate stats that weren't adding up. And talk a little bit about how it was received initially and then what ultimately happened with it. Well, so, uh, you know, I, this really, as I, as I discussed in pandemia, this really started for me. I mean, I was, of course, interested and nervous about the coronavirus, like everybody else, in January and February of 2020. Um, and then, uh, the, you know, the, this big report came out from the Imperial College of London, uh, written mostly by an epidemiologist named Neil Ferguson, and that really kind of panicked the world, or at least, you know, the Western Europe and the United States, into these into these lockdowns, which started this process that we're sort of still working our way out of. Um, and a few days after the Imperial College report came out, Neil Ferguson actually testified before the British Parliament, and he gave a number, an estimate for the number of deaths from the coronavirus uh, that he projected that was much, much lower than the number that had been in the Imperial College report uh, 10 days before. It was, it was roughly 20,000 deaths in the U.K., um, as opposed to a half million had been the high-end number that he'd given before. And ironically, both those numbers have proven wrong. The, the, the real number uh, in the U.K. has been somewhere in the middle. Uh, it's been, you know, about 150,000 deaths in Britain. So, so Neil Ferguson is a terrible forecaster, and that's been proven again and again. Um, at the time, I knew nothing about him, but I got interested. Um, you know, I got interested in the fact that he changed his forecast, and then I got more interested in the fact that neither, you know, my old employer at the New York Times nor any other major media outlets seemed to think that that was worthy of writing about. And so that launched me as this person who's become a, you know, I guess you'd call me a coronavirus skeptic. Not, I'm not a skeptic about the coronavirus being real or killing people or anything like that, but I am a skeptic about the measures that we have taken uh, to, uh, you know, to try to stop this, none of which I think have worked very well. 
and, and all of which have done a lot of damage to our society. No question. We're speaking with Alex Berenson. His new book is called Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights, and Lives. He's been one of the clearest voices about coronavirus, once again, asking questions, not denying the reality of it. I had it. I know what it's like to get it. Uh, a lot of people have had it. No one's denying the truth of it. But we're just asking questions about the response to it. And you very clearly explain this in your book, how the response accelerated. As you mentioned, when this guy in the UK, kind of changed his projection nobody even addressed it no one went oh maybe we don't have to do these kinds of things lockdowns have been terrible we all know that I think the biggest problem for me Alex has been seeing how fear has so easily controlled so many people and how easily they are led by whatever somebody in a white coat tells them from some podium it's been kind of stunning to me uh yes and look I think um people you know people are they have their own jobs they have their own families they have their own lives they don't necessarily have the uh you know the time or the inclination to dive into some of this uh you know some of these statistics um uh and into some of this data and you know some of it's very complicated and you know first of all it's it, the media has failed and reporters whose job it is to ask these questions have failed but what i where i would agree with you is now after almost two years i think it should be clear to anybody um you know ask yourself who do I know who's gotten really sick or died from the coronavirus? Do I know anybody? Do I know anybody under 70 or 80? Do I know anybody who wasn't sort of morbidly ill before? And then, and then people could have asked themselves the same question about the vaccines. Do I know somebody who, you know, had a serious problem after being vaccinated um, with the COVID vaccine? Does the COVID, you know, when I was vaccinated with the COVID, not me personally, because I've uh, tried to be clear to people, I have not been vaccinated with the COVID vaccine, but but if you've been vaccinated with the COVID vaccine, have your side effects been different uh, than, you know, than with other vaccines, with a flu vaccine or earlier vaccines you got growing up? And so, so I think people, people have been afraid even to look at their own experiences or the experiences of people they know because the media and because public health authorities have done so much to try to frighten them. And that has been a problem. Now, I also think the country is waking up, and I think that's especially true in, you know, in red states and in red parts of blue states. But, but you know, Joe Biden's a Democrat, and in a lot of the country, uh, you know, progress has been very slow. No doubt about that. My guest is Alex Berenson. His new book, Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights, and Lives. You can also follow him at Substack. You can subscribe to that for free because they kicked him off Twitter, but uh, there you go. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. You know, what's amazing to me is that when you try to talk to people, Alex, and you try to say, well, no, there's another point of view out there, or just take a look at all the information, make a decision for yourself. You're not anti-vax. As you said, you haven't had this like I haven't had it, but you've had your kids vaccinated for various things yep. and whatnot. So you're not anti. But when you try to, to tell anybody, here's the information, here's another side, have you seen this? I've done this with relatives. They just put their hands over their ears, la, 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 la. They don't even want to hear another perspective. Yes, at best. Sometimes it's worse than that. They say, you know, you are, you, you know, you don't care about other people. You don't care if older people get sick and die. Um, you know, you don't, you don't trust science. You must be a, you know, you're the kind of person who believes in aliens. And I mean, just, you know, you're, you know, you're and people about me. People say terrible things about me. But, but uh, uh, yes, it's very, very strange. And I guess. You know, I guess we're afraid of infectious disease. I guess we're afraid of disease in general. Um, you know, I guess modern life, you know, modern life is very complex. Uh, and, um, you know, that I think there is a tendency um, these days for a lot of people to say, I, I, I don't understand this. I can never understand it. I'm just going to go with what, uh, you know, the media tells me. 
Right. That's the important thing. We're speaking with Alex Berenson. You know, I was flat on my back for two weeks with COVID, but I never felt like I was going to die. I was sick. I had it very early on. I had it in June of 2020 and uh, got it because somebody in the building where I worked had it. No one told us to, to watch out that it was in the building and it doesn't matter now. But, you know, it's interesting, too, that people act like if you get this, it's going to be a death sentence. We know that's not true statistically. Whatever happened to toughen it out? I mean, a couple of years back, we used to tough it out if we got the flu or something. But people act like you get a sniffle, it's the end of the world. You know, it's a really interesting point you make there because I was actually talking to another uh, talk show host yesterday night. And he said, you know, I got COVID and it was really terrible. I felt, you know, I felt really, really bad. And I said, well, you know, did you did you go to the hospital? He said, well, you know, I actually didn't go to the hospital. Right. I said, I said did, you know, did you have a really bad fever? No, I didn't have a really bad fever. I just, I felt really bad. And, and I said, well, okay, I mean, that sounds like the flu, right? I mean, right. I'm not saying that, like, and I'm not saying that that wasn't an unpleasant experience for him or for you. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty bad for you, but I think, and, and this is something I do write about in pandemia, if you look at the first-person narratives, and people have started to stop doing this about, I would say, in the middle of last year, because at some point they realized it sounded sort of ridiculous, you would hear these stories that people would write, or you'd see these stories that people would write would be like, this was the worst thing in my life. I was scared. I was scared to death. And then it would be like, my fever was 100. And when I went to the <laughs> hospital, they sent me home. Right. I'm like, like, you really weren't that sick. Uh, you know, but, but people have conceptualized COVID as the end of the world. Right. It's so true. We're speaking with Alex Berenson. You can find him at Substack. And his brand new book is called Pandemia. Highly recommend it. I read it. Loved it. And I've been following him for almost for two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, that's right. Two years to flatten the curve. That's right. That's where we are. You know, two things that stick out in my mind about this COVID and all the lies we've been told that, that should make anybody take pause. Number one. Since when do all doctors agree on anything, right? Everybody says, well, all the doctors agree. Since when do all doctors agree on anything? And also, why is it that anybody who has a different opinion is silenced? You've been kicked off Twitter with hundreds of thousands of followers. Doctors who speak out might lose their jobs. I mean, address that, Alex, would you? Well, I mean, you're asking a good question, and I, I don't have a good answer for you. It is a terrible thing that has happened to free speech in this country. And, you know, free speech is a vitally important part of the United States and of our history and of what we, you know, what we were built on and are built on. And why it is that these tech companies, I mean, I know why they think they can do it and I know why they think they have the legal protection to do it, but to me it's completely wrong. And I thought this long before I was kicked off. Um, uh, you know, I, and, you know, I, I think these are public spaces basically that are, you know, that, that hundreds of millions of people use in the case of, the case of Facebook, billions of people use. And they should essentially be accessible. I mean, look, if you say I'm going to go, you know, shoot my neighbor in the head or whatever, they, I mean, there's some speech that is, that is clearly threatening um, and, and that should be banned. But be, and, and, you know, and obviously stuff like child pornography, stuff, that, stuff that's illegal, is, you know, should be banned. But beyond that, the United States was built on the idea of you're allowed to say what you want and we'll work it out. We'll debate and we'll figure it out. And why it is that that, that, that you know, ethos no longer exists, I don't know. And, and I'll say something that's almost as bad as what the social media companies are doing is the fact that legacy media, you know, again, like the New York Times, where I worked, or, or, or other big news outlets, those journalists, are, they're not just saying, hey, this, they're not just not stepping up and saying we think this is bad. In some cases, they are actively calling for suppression and censorship, too. Right. And I, and I think they've lost their minds. 
Yeah, I agree with that. We're speaking with Alex Berenson. You can follow him at Substack. Alex Berenson, you can subscribe for free, and you can also be a paid person if you want to, too. You can check it out, uh, Substack. And his new book is Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights, and Lives. Another thing you talk a lot about in Pandemia, and maybe you don't put it as snarkily as I do, although I always respected your snarky tweets. I'd love that about you. Um, you know, we were never all in this together. No, not from day one. There'd be people sitting in their house, these little keyboard warriors doing their blogs, telling everybody else to stay home. So people who had to leave their homes to keep their homes, oh, you're terrible, you want to kill somebody's grandma. Talk about that. I know you talk about it in the book, but talk a little bit about that, Alex. I mean, I mean that's another great point. So, so, you know, so my wife is a psychiatrist. So, you know, she's an MD. She was an essential worker. She was out of the house every day. Um, we live in a place, um, you know, it's outside New York City, but it's actually sort of surprisingly rural, and there's not a lot of delivery services. So I was out practically every day. Um, you know, I also thought it was important to go out. It was important not to be afraid, and it was important to – but, you know, like I, I, I spent more time at Walmart last year than, than you know, anybody should. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but so – and so, like, you know, there were a lot of us like that. And then there were the people working at those stores, right, who were, you know, whether, again, whether it's, the, you know, the nurses and, and technicians working with, you know, with my wife in a hospital, whether it's the clerks at Walmart, like, there, there, there were tons of people who couldn't stay in and, uh, and who, you know, who had to do their jobs and had to pay the bill. And, um, you know, for the most part, those of us who were out last year didn't get frightened. But you're right. It was the keyboard warriors. It was the people who, who could have everything delivered and who were happy enough to watch Netflix and who, you know, could do their jobs uh, over Zoom, um, who, never, who never left their homes and who... I, you know, for some of those people, you didn't have kids. I think your life actually got easier. Now, if you had kids, your life got more complicated. <laughs> right. but, but no, I mean, you know, these, these 20 and 30 somethings, I don't, this, these, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a generation extra, so I'm in my 40s. But, uh, and so, you know, I probably sound like an old person complaining about young people, but I'll say the opposite. When did young people get so old? When did they get so fearful right. of, you know, whether it's of speech or of going outside or of hanging out? When did they become these shells, and, and, and I don't know, but but it has not been good for the country. And the people who, and the fact that the people who made policy, you know, the, you know, basically didn't have to leave their houses. Um, you're right. We were not all in this together, not from the beginning. That's true. And I've dealt with the mob, and I won't even bore you with that, with the people who, you know, with pitchforks and torches want to get me fired for something. I said, you know, why can't you just scroll past? I mean, we've gotten to the point now where somebody can't even have someone speak on campus that they disagree with without feeling triggered. Well, then don't go. Go to the bar, stay in your dorm room. But everybody wants a safe space, and that is, has been a big factor in the COVID situation, how easy it's been to turn people against each other. You talk about that in pandemia, too, and that that's scary to me, Alex, that people don't understand what's happening with people ratting each other out. I mean, we're like back to Nazi Germany. We're back to the Chinese Cultural Revolution. It's crazy. Um, yes, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. And, and I, you know, I, I write about this, too, that, you know, you had the mayor of Los Angeles saying, um, you know, snitches get rewards. Right. You had this um, amazing story out of Florida, the, the Tampa newspaper story about how much people were snitching on each other. They were calling the police on homeless people being outside. And, you know, neighbors were calling the police on kids having parties, you know, small parties, forget, forget large parties, in the backyard. Now, the good news is I think that, again, in a lot of the country, people have gone back to normal. And they've sort of realized, and I think some of them may even have been, may even now be embarrassed about the way they behaved last year. Because when you see 100,000 people showing up at a college football stadium, or, you know, or people going to a concert, or you see, you know, uh, you know, this summer, 
uh, parties and people being out. Um, I, I think, you know, I do think that a lot of people um, recognize now that the threat of this was oversold, very badly oversold in some cases, and, uh, and they do want to move forward. But you're right, the, the, the authorities tried to turn people against each other. And the reason I can tell you that this was an explicit strategy is that there are documents, uh, so far I haven't seen one from the U.S., but there, there are documents from the U.K. and from Germany where, where, where government agencies and you know, people advising governments talked about we need to frighten people and we need to you know, use pressure, use societal pressure to keep people inside, to keep people on lockdown. And, um, you know, th- that's the opposite of what public health used to be, which was we're going to reassure people, we're going to tell people this is going to be okay. This was exactly the opposite messaging. And, and why that happened is a question that, you know, pandemia begins to answer, but honestly, it's going to take a lot more work and a lot more research to get there. Absolutely. Another thing I want to talk to you about, Alex, is how tough it's been on you. I know it's been tough to have friends turn on you, to have people in your industry turn on you, to have Twitter turn on you, the pressures on you as a a husband and a father home with the kids while your wife is working through this pandemic. And of course, you were working at home feverishly on these kinds of things with the pandemic and the other things you've been putting out. It's been very, very tough on you. And, you know, God bless you. I so admire you for sticking it out. You could have caved and you didn't. You could have just said, you know what, this is way too hard. Who needs the grief? Well, well, thank you. And I, and I want to say, you know, yeah, it's been tough on me, but it's been tough on all of us. Yes. Okay? And it's been tough on kids who lost school, mm-hmm. and it's been tough on people who weren't able to see their, you know, their relatives in nursing homes who didn't have COVID just because of COVID. Well, the, we, have, we have damaged our society, and, and we can't let the people who, who did this to us, you know, forget. And we can't let the mistakes they made go unchallenged. And I'm not saying they, you know, we have to punish them, but at the least we have to make them acknowledge all the harm that they did. And right. people who, you know, who had to quit because of vaccine mandates. I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of collateral damage, and it needs to, you know, it needs to be recognized and fixed. I know your next book's going to be on vaccines. Uh, one, one thing yeah. I wanted to mention: I have a friend in town who's a paramedic, and they they transport people. And listen, I know people who've had the vaccine who are fine, and I know people who've died from the vaccine, like I think most of us do. But uh, he, he said they transport people all the time. And recently, a friend of his on a different squad and the, the department brought a 24-year-old girl into the hospital. And, of course, the paramedics always explain to the doctor, this is what we, this is the situation, car accident, pills on the desk, whatever, right? And they told the yep. doctor she'd recently had the vaccine. You know what the doctor said? Keep that on the DL. We don't want the media to find out. So these blankety-blanks, I'm cleaning this up for the air, uh, the words I'd like to use, they're complicit. They are lying. They're flat-out lying, Alex, and they're getting away with it. And that is just evil as far as I'm concerned. You said it. You said it. Well, let's talk again in six months. Let's see where we are. I would absolutely love to. What a privilege. Thank you, Alex, for writing Pandemia, and we will talk again. Yeah, it's ridiculous that it should be so tough for somebody just to speak out. I mean, he's not even taking a side. He's not telling you not to get a vaccine. He's not doing any of that. He's just asking questions. That's what journalists used to do. That's what talk show hosts used to do. That's what some of us are still doing. Some of us are not. Some of us have been silenced. That's been a whole other issue. Some of us are just flat out scared. I'm not. I'm going to keep talking and asking questions. That's all I'm doing. I never told anybody not to get a vaccine or anything else. But these lockdowns, we know the damage that's been caused by these lockdowns. And was the benefit greater? That's the problem. Anyway, check out his book. It's called Pandemia and follow him on Substack. That's what I do. And, and you may wonder why I talk about people who write books. I don't talk about everybody who writes books. But if I think that a book is worth your time because it's worth my time and I'm interested or it's something that's happening in society, I want you to know about it because that's what I do. I'm a communicator. 
and I try to pass along information, whether it's a book I wrote or not. I'm happy to, uh, to get this information out there because I want it to be helpful. I want people to have as much info as they can. I want them to have all the facts they can to make whatever decisions they need to make for their lives. That's what it's all about. Don't forget to join me live Sunday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time, 5 to 7 Vegas time on 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis for the Heidi Harris Show, 7 to 9 p.m., like I said. (laughs) And look for these podcasts on my website or anywhere you get podcasts. And also, don't forget to check out Headlines with Heidi. I do this on YouTube, on the Heidi Harris Show YouTube channel. I do it five days a week. Talking about the headlines, mostly Vegas, but some other things too, St. Louis, national things. Headlines with Heidi, you can find it at YouTube, Heidi Harris Show, or at HeidiHarris.com. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. (laughs) 